win your battle. I want to say win your battle. And in this series, what we're doing is we're learning that there are things that we fight and that we wrestle against that aren't really what they appear. They're differently than, than what we think they are. They're not against people. They're not against other things. And so we've been leaning into that. Next week, I'm going to talk about how to, how to fight for your family. And so you're going to want to be here for that message. But today, I want to look at the idea of closing open doors. And this is going to be a bit of a different message. And the reason it is, is because I've just really been, it's been heavy on my heart what you're going through. And I can't say that I know every single one of your situations or what happened this week, but but as I prepared this week, it was just really heavy on my heart. We've we've done some things differently in this service. We're going to do some things differently in this message. Don't worry. Nobody's going to ask you to stand up and speak or anything like that. You can just relax but take notes. But I want you to open your heart because there's a verse in Matthew chapter 9, 36 where it says, Jesus saw them and they were like sheep without a shepherd. And sometimes you just need a shepherd to come into your life. That's what a pastor is, a shepherd, just to say, hey, I want you to take notice of these things, and I want you to look at these things because they may be affecting you more than you think or you've never known about them, and they're, they're actually having an impact on your life. So um, the problem is many of us think, well, these battles are coming. The devil's coming at me. All this is coming. And by the way, let me just remind you, he's defeated. Jesus de- defeated him on the cross. But, but, but you got to understand that, that you may be doing some things to just give him full access to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. And we don't know that we're doing it because, see, there's two kinds of enemy attacks, two kinds of attacks from the devil. The first is an attack or an intrusion. In other words, you have the door of your house closed and somebody comes bursting through that door that you didn't invite over. That's an attack. That's an intrusion. And the same thing can happen spiritually. And, and last week, um, you know, there was, there was an attack. We talked about uh, Jesus being attacked by the devil. It was thoughts, lies, all those kinds of things. Uh, but Jesus, he had no legal standing with Jesus. So when you attack, there's no legal standing. They don't have a right to be there. They don't have a right to do anything. The other kind of attack, though, or other thing that happens is an open door. I'm going to say open door. In other words, something that we do gives the enemy permission to come and steal, kill, and destroy in our life, like John 10.10 tells us that the enemy came to do. And so I want to just remind you, our series verse is 2 Corinthians 10.3. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And so what happens for many of us is we have opened doors to the enemy. We had no idea we opened the door. And now the enemy has come in and he set up camp. And you're trying to get him out of there, but he he is squatting on your property. But you're letting him. You're putting up with him. I'm not saying you're possessed of the devil, but there is some access you have given him into your life. And so today I just have this incredibly strong burden to see you lean into what I'm going to say today and to see you go free. Now the freedom that you're going to get today is, can be huge if you'll lean into it, but it's really just a big step because God has other steps for you, right? And we're going to talk a little bit about that before we, we get to the end as well. So today may be a little bit intense but it's going to be incredibly freeing. Amen. How many of you know, if you, ever, if you ever fought to get out of debt, there were some intense seasons to get out of debt. But when you got out of debt, come on. 
Like it, you knew why you were doing it, and there was joy. And so it may feel a little bit like that today. But how many of you, I just want to find out if, if you came to the right church today. How many of you want to go free today? How many of you really say, I know there's some things I got to get taken care of. Come on, hold that other hand up and just thank God he's going to do it. Amen? Amen. All right. So the old spiritual was right. You got to shut the door, keep out the devil. We got, we got to do that. So let's close some open doors. We're going to look at five of them today. Here's the first one. Willful disobedience. Willful disobedience. Romans 6.16 says, Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin. And he says, you know, leads to death. That's the natural consequence. You say, well, I'm alive. And I've been sinning. And what's the deal? But there's death in some area of your life. Whatever it is that you've been given given yourself to a slave to sin, there's death in that area. And says, he says here, or you can choose, everyone say choose, to obey God, which leads to righteous living, right, right living that's in line with God. So disobedience or sin is really bondage to demonic forces. You're saying, I'm okay with that when you continue in the sin, when I continue in the sin. Obedience to God means I'm going to serve righteousness. I'm going to serve, I want to be in right standing with God. So you say, well, what's, what's willful disobedience? It's any action or attitude that the Bible tells you not to do or have or anything the Bible tells you to do and you refuse to do it. Dr. Henry Malone defines it that way. So willful disobedience gives the devil the right to steal, kill, and destroy in your life, as I've said. James 4.17 says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. So that's good. I'm staying home next week because I don't want to learn anything more I shouldn't be doing. No, we don't talk about all the things you shouldn't be doing. We're trying to leave you out of that. Amen? And so knowledge, what you don't know can destroy you. So we, we've got to be careful. We can't, we can't treat ourselves, if you will, to anything that the Bible said is, says is wrong. Because when we do that, we end up in bondage to demonic forces. They, they, they have the control in those situations. You, you might be saying, well, pa Pastor, I work hard for my money, and when I get to the weekend, I can do, fill in the blank, whatever I want to do. No, as a believer, you're opening the door to the devil. Whether it's some addiction, whether it's gossip, whether it's division, whether it's being offended, whether it's evil words, whatever the area is, you're saying, come on in, devil, steal and kill and destroy from me. Now, you didn't think you were saying that. You just thought you were saying yes to the sin, but really, you're saying yes to everything that's behind the sin, and we know that's demonic forces. So here's, here's the question. Like I said, today's message is going to be a little different. I want you to think about where, have you, where are you being willfully disobedient to what the Lord wants? And again, we're not going to have you stand up and tell us what that is. But in just a minute here, I want you to tell the Lord what it is. Because I want to see that door closed. You want to see that door closed? So some of you, as I'm talking right now, you, you're just thinking about an area. Thinking about a habit. Thinking about something you do. That's the thing we need to deal with today. Because whatever the Lord brings up is the thing to deal with. Right? Because the Holy Spirit's at work bringing those things to our remembrance. So do you have an area where you've willfully disobeyed God and you're saying, I'm willing to repent of that? Repent means to turn around and abandon it. Turn the other way, 
acknowledge its sin and go God's way. And so if you want to do that, I'm going to invite those of you that think, say, you know, I know I'm right with God and, and I can't think of anything right now. I want you to pray with those of us who may be praying for some area that we want to close this door. And we're going to say several prayers this morning in the message. Is that all right? Amen. No use coming and just being all bound up. Let's get free. Amen. So just close your eyes and say this with me. Lord, say it like you mean it. Lord, I admit I have willfully disobeyed you by doing, and now tell the Lord what it is. Just whisper it under your breath. What is that thing? Just tell him what that is. And Lord, I repent. I call it a sin. And I turn away from that willful disobedience. Thank you for your forgiveness right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So now, based on your repentance and because God is faithful in seeing your heart, that, door, that doorway, that access is, is to the enemy is broken. And every time you come up against, you say, oh, I've been willfully sinning, you just do the same kind of thing. Just pray, repent of it, turn away, and, and, and shut that door in Jesus' name. Amen? You ready for, to learn another way to close the door on the enemy? Here's the second way we actually open it. It's the big one. Unforgiveness. Should we just skip that one? Just move right along? Amen. Dr. Henry Malone, we know what unforgiveness is, but he says it this way. Unforgiveness is refusing to let go of or excuse a debt, not just money. Could be a wrong someone committed against you, but it's owed to, you think it's owed to you by another person. They owe you for what they, they've done. Matthew 18 is a fascinating passage. I want to challenge you this afternoon to go read Matthew 18, starting in verse 21. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but here's what it says in verse 33. Basically, the servant hadn't forgiven um, the one that he was forgiven of a large debt, and he didn't forgive somebody else that owed a small debt. Verse 33 says, Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. Verse 35 is pretty critical. That's why my heavenly that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from the heart. That's a big deal. That's pretty strong. So when you read it this afternoon, uh, you're going to see another verse in that passage that says, where Peter asked, should I forgive seven times? And the Lord essentially responds, no, 490 times. Some scholars say that that verse really means to forgive the same person for the same sin on the same day. That's painful, huh? Let me say that again. Forgive the same person for the same thing on the same day up to 490 times. You know I like math. That's once every 2.935 minutes. And some of us, well, I forgave him last week. Yeah, that's a whole bunch of minutes. That's a lot of forgiveness. But that's the way we're, we're supposed to look at it. See, when we don't forgive others, here's the key. After how much God has forgiven us of. How much? So, so the question here is, how do you see your sin? 
and we're re- not you, but somebody you know, we're really good at saying, wow, look at them. Man, thank God I didn't do that. Not because, not because you're thankful you didn't do that, but you just don't want to be like them. And so when we have that mindset, well, yeah, I know I need to fix this, but, oh, they need to fix that. Oh, that happens in marriage. Let me just meddle since we're going to be that. Oh, you know, some of your spouse points something out, and you say, well, you got this. You need to fix that. You're not looking at your sin the right way. You got to look at it as if Jesus died on the cross for your sin as if you'd been the only sinner on the face of the earth that ever lived. He'd have come. He'd have done that because that's how much he loved you. And your sin was enough to put him on the cross. My sin was enough to put him on the cross. And so what begins to change in our minds about unforgiveness is when we begin to see that it was our sin that put him there and we're no better than anybody else. Whether we say it out loud or we think it in our hearts, it doesn't matter. We've been forgiven. And out of that forgiveness that we've received, we say, after all that Jesus has done for me, I can forgive. We sang about it this morning. He's been faithful. He's been good. I can forgive. Amen? So here's the thing. When you're wronged, you have two choices, two options. You you can decide to forgive from your heart. Or, you don't think you're doing this, but you choose to harden your heart. It's one or the other. You either forgive, keep a tender heart towards God and towards others, or you say, I'm not going to forgive, I'm going to withhold that forgiveness, and automatically the byproduct is a hardened heart. So every time you choose unforgiveness, it hardens your heart further. And what happens is unforgiveness opens the door to demonic activity, bitterness, In fact, they've even linked it to chronic disease, right, and so much more. And so it's really one of the primary methods the devil uses. We say, I'll forgive them when, but when never gets here. And and even in the Bible passage we just read, who gets tormented? The one that's holding on the debt. That's you. That other person could be happy and free as a lark, and they don't even know they did anything to you, and you're over here missing out on all God has for you. It's a big deal. So you're thinking, well, well, pastor, you don't know what, you you put that name in there. You don't know what they did to me. Dad, a pastor, an ex-friend, an ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, an employer, whoever, another believer, a spouse, a child. I don't know. And I'm sure it was very difficult. But I do know what Jesus has forgiven us of. Amen? And so we have, we have really two questions. Are the, forg- are the sins God has forgiven you of just as evil, just as terrible in God's eyes? Is that what, what that person did to you? And did you ever stop to think that your sins hurt Jesus just as much as that other person's sins hurt you? That's why he went to the cross, to get you free. Some of you may be thinking, well, I forgive them, but they better never do it again. There's a word for that, probation. Probation. 
True forgiveness has no conditions attached. You just forgive. And, and here's where we struggle. We feel like that if we forgive someone, then what we're saying is that we're excusing the behavior. We're not. What we're doing is we're actually choosing to let God handle it, and we're not going to get in the middle of God's business related to that person. We're choosing to set ourselves free. Now, I'm not saying you need to, you know, forgiveness is not the same as, as saying, well, I forgive this abuser, but I'm going to stay in this relationship and keep getting abused. You don't have to do that. God's not expecting you to stay in that kind of a situation. But you do need to forgive. You do need to let it go. And the problem with unforgiveness is it doesn't trap the other person. It traps you. Amen? It, it, they, somebody said one time, unforgiveness is like, like setting yourself on fire and hoping the other person burns. It's not a, it's not a winning formula, right? So how many, you, I, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but are you ready to close this door? Now, I, I think some of you are sorry, sitting there. Yeah, I know that's all good, Pastor, but I don't, I'm not there. Let me help you with that. You may never feel like forgiving them. So we've said this over the years. Choices lead, feelings follow. And so particularly with forgiveness, we have the opportunity to choose to forgive. And the feeling may come in the next moment. It may come in the next year, or it may never come, but it's the right thing. It's the right thing. Because when you choose, forgiveness is a decision. It's not a feeling. When you make that decision, you're saying, I choose to set them free so God can set me free. That's what you're doing. So let's bow our heads. Let's pray. And I want to I ask you to repeat after me here in just a moment, but... Uh, I want to I just leave. Some of you say, you know, I want to forgive, but I don't know, know how. First of all, you've got to decide. I just talked about that. But secondly, you need to ask God to release his power so that you can forgive the offender. It's not always possible in your own strength. The re truth is, actual forgiveness is a result of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And the third, this may be the hardest thing of all, is to bless and pray for the person who wronged you. That's what the Bible tells us to do. So let's pray this prayer. Say this with me. Lord Jesus, I admit I have held unforgiveness against this person. Now tell the Lord who it is. But today, I choose to forgive them for what they did to me. Holy Spirit, I ask for your power to release and forgive them. And Jesus, you've been so good to me. So would you bless them too? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, did you forgive? Did you ask God to help you to forgive? Now, every time the devil brings that up, you just tell him, I've already forgiven that. I could tell you stories, but you have already forgiven. Say, I've already forgiven. You might drive side by something on the way out of here this week. Now I've already forgiven. You don't have to go through this torment. You're, you have forgiven. Amen? How about, how about, are you ready to get ready to close another door? Amen? Is this all right today? Let's get another one. Here's, here's the third one. This may be a heavy one. Emotional trauma. Emotional trauma. What, what is that? Those are inner wounds caused by sudden physical injury or emotional shock. Emotional trauma causes lasting damage to the 
psychological, spiritual, or emotional development of a person. Again, that's Dr. Henry Malone. There's two kinds of wounds and trauma. There's those that we had a part in causing. What would that be? You're experiencing the consequences of your own sin, your own choices, your own disobedience. Maybe you had a major car accident while you were under the influence of, of some substance. Maybe, maybe you were injured when you were disobedient to your parents. That, that can open the door to some kind of trauma. That's the first kind. The second kind, you had no part in causing, whether it was abuse, rape, molestation, whatever it is. You had no part in that. You were the victim in that situation. So there's two kinds. What's important to note about this is that what may deeply hurt or wound a person's spirit or bring emotional trauma to one person may not be traumatic for another person. In other words, there's several children in a home. This, this, this happens all the time. Several children in a home. The parents get a divorce. One child goes on as, like, as if nothing happened, and the other one is, is severely marked by that event. Different people go through and experience things differently. It's, it's part of what happens. So, so what are, I'm going to give you these real quick, but some examples of emotional trauma, divorce, accidents, near-death experiences, uh, fearful experiences of any kind. By the way, let me just say off the subject a little bit, but avoid all those horror movies. Why do you do that to yourself? That is just a whole other level of an open door to the devil. All right? I'm just going to say that. Another thing that is, is, is uh, emotional trauma, death in a family, abuse, whether it's physical, mental, or sexual, molestation, violence, uh, aggravated robbery, robbery, rape, violence of any kind. Even if you've, I remember I had my apartment broken into one time, and I, I just felt so violated for so long. Amen? Um, you, it could be rejection by authority figures, being ridiculed, uh, somebody dominating you or controlling you. There's just all kinds of things. Betrayal is another one. In life, here's the thing, we do not control everything that happens to us. But we have the opportunity to decide our response. What are we going to do? See, in life, things often happen that we don't choose, and we've talked about some of those. In those situations, the only thing that God asks of us is to choose the proper response. What are we going to do? It's important to not only forgive the person, but it's also important to receive healing for that area in your own life. Amen? So even if you've forgiven someone, you could have a wounded spirit that will give an enemy a cause, the devil, to bring his forces to harm you because it's just, you're just so wounded in that area. Even if some of you, you, you had a wound, but you've covered up with so many layers of stuff, you don't think you have a wound anymore, but, but you do. And the enemy is still manipulating in that, that area. And so I want you to think about it. Have, have, I, have you experienced emotional trauma? I personally believe that it's almost impossible to go through life without having experienced emotional trauma. And the frequency and the amount and how you handle it can build up and be quite an open door to the enemy. So the key is really to receive, not just to forgive that person, but to receive healing from Jesus himself. You ready for some good news today? Say, this is heavy. I love this verse, Luke 4.18. Jesus says, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. 
You've been through some stuff? Jesus came to heal that very thing. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I want to ask you to do something today. We're going to do it a little, little different for this different particular prayer. But if you can reach someone, maybe it's your spouse, that's great. You're kind of sitting alone, that's great. Maybe it's somebody else. I want you to just put a hand on their shoulder. And we're going to pray over each other as well as over ourselves in this moment. So if you want healing from emotional trauma, find somebody. Don't sit, nobody's sitting alone. Just find somebody. Move around. Grab a hand. Do, do something. Amen? And, uh, and, and just, just get a hold of somebody right now. Let's all bow our heads. Say this with me. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus to heal my broken heart. I thank you that I'm not alone in my journey. Thank you for this church where I can find a friend to share my wounds and together allow Jesus to heal us. Jesus, I declare I receive my healing today. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, you feel those doors slamming? Come on, let's praise the Lord a little bit. Amen. Amen. I know this is heavy. I know this is a lot, but I just feel like, is this all right? Y'all, y'all, is this helping you today? Let's, let's go for another one. Amen. Anyway, let's go back to, to judgments and inner vows. So what is that? Judgments and inner vows. The interesting thing is that judgments and inner vows often come out of emotional trauma experienced early in life. They're made with deep emotion often in response to a person, an experience, or a desire. It's a vow we made to ourselves. It's not to God or to another person. We made the vow to ourselves. So what, how does it start? Well, inner vows are based on judgments we make, most, most often as children, against our parents, caregivers, school teachers, or some other authority figure. We make a judgment. Usually these vows are soon forgotten. We just forget that we ever said it. But the reality is that what happens in that particular area, because of that judgment and because of that inner vow, it actually binds it to us. And it, in that area, we resist the normal maturing process of life. In other words, we don't grow out of it. So, Inner vows may be dormant for years until the, the right situation acts as a trigger. All of a, you, get, you think life is great, you get married, something happens, it's like you run into that inner vow. You don't even necessarily be conscious of it. You know what happened. Having a child, financial lack. I, I grew up and there was, there was times I remember um, growing up as, a, you remember I'm a southern boy from southern Minnesota, right? I grew up as a farm kid. And, uh, you know, what, what you experienced during COVID when there wasn't enough toilet paper, that's farm life every year. You don't know if there's going to be a crop that's going to provide for your family's needs. And as a kid, you figure that out really quick. Because you hear mom or dad saying, praying, Lord, send rain. Or the hail comes and wipes out the whole crop. Lord, should we replant? Should we not? Is it too late? Will we get a harvest? Will we not get a harvest? 
And I remember that as a kid, and there was a season that, that Kim and I were in real financial lack, and all of a sudden, I realized as a child, in the middle of that situation, not even directly judging my parents, but judging that situation, I made an inner vow, I'm never going to be poor like this. And in that moment, I bounded to myself. I'm not sharing that. I'm free of that. Dealt this years ago. But I'm telling you that you don't even know you said something like that as a kid. You have no memory of it, but you did something. And for right now, some of you, there's some things being stirred up within you, and you realize you made some vows. An inner vow binds us to a mindset or a course of action that is fleshly, and prevents our emotional or spiritual development in that area. Here's the other thing inner vows do. They prevent the Holy Spirit from having access to that area of our lives after we're saved. So let's just get a hold of this. If you've got an area of your life, you've given your life to Jesus, and God's been doing all kinds of amazing things in working in your life, but you've got some area that no matter what you try, you can't seem to get the victory, you may have made an inner vow in that area. It's also, well, let me, let me just go to Matthew 4, 35. Or 4, verse 34, Jesus said, I, do not, I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven because heaven is God's throne. Just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is what? From the evil one. Vows are not helpful, but instead they give access to the devil. And so what happens with an inner vow is an inner vow locks in that sin, get this, to be perpetuated from generation to generation. Spiritually, it's why you can look through your family's heritage and you can see a heritage of divorce, alcoholism, abuse. Some of you, even as, as, as children were abused, and, you, and I, I'm not trying to be a psychologist here. I'm just telling you the spiritual side here this morning. But, but here's what happens. You said, I, I, I'm never going to abuse my kids. And maybe you're in a situation now where you find yourself, you either have or you're on the edge of it. And you didn't know why, but it's because you made that inner vow. So as much as you try to run from it, you can't because they've bound that inner vow to you and you've given the enemy an opening in your life. So let me give you some examples of inner vows. I will never treat my children like this. Said when you were a kid. I'll never be poor like my parents. I'm never going to trust anyone or be invulnerable to anyone again. You break up in a relationship. Well, I'm never. You just locked it in. My spouse will never treat me like that. Inner vows usually start with the words, I will never or I will always. Are you ready to break these things off? Is this getting a little heavy? Some, some of you, in fact, you may just be feeling physically uncomfortable right now. And that's because the presence of God is here and he wants to break those things off of you. So let's go there. Let's break it off. Amen? And so the key with this one is you need to, to close this door. You need to renounce that inner vow. So, so you can't just pray a general prayer. Oh, Lord, just break all my inner vows. You got to know what you're breaking. You know, and, and, and listen, you may leave here and think of others and you can do the same thing. 
But which one comes to mind right now? Was it poverty? Was it something in your health? Was it something in a relationship? What is it? Let's bow our heads. I want to pray over you before I ask you to pray with me. Father, I just ask right now that by the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you would bring to mind areas where we've either been stunted spiritually and not grown, or areas which are directly tied, Lord, to areas where we have made an inner vow and we don't even recall the vow. Help us to make the connection today. In Jesus' name, and Lord, set us free. In Jesus' name. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I repent of my judgment of, now just whisper their name. Who did you judge and what was that vow that was underneath that? Who did you judge? Speak that name. God, you are the judge. Say this, God, you are the judge, not me. So Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, I break the inner vows of, now just name those. What are those inner vows you're breaking right now in Jesus' name? Just speak those out or whisper those out. Lord, I break the inner vows of those things off my life. Say it it with me. Lord, in Jesus' name, break the inner vows that I've just named off my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't that good? Amen. Things that, you know, we sing the song, Break Every Chain. This is chain breaking time here. Amen. Amen. I got, I got one more. Can you handle it? Curses. Curses. What's a curse? Deuteronomy chapter 28 is a list of curses, blessings and curses. The first 14 verses, verse 1 says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all His commandments that I am giving you today, and the next 14 verses just list blessing after blessing after blessing that God gives. But then in verse 15 it says, But if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. Let me be very clear. This does not mean that God's sending all those curses on you. But what happens is we open a door to the enemy and we give him access. And by the way, there's like, I don't know, 50, 60 some verses in that chapter and there's way more curses listed than blessings. Why is that? Because God God thinks you need to know about all the curses. Yeah, you need to know all the different areas. Go read that. You You might see where the enemy is stolen from you as you go through that passage and read that later. See, A curse is a consequence of our sin, our ancestral sin, or words that open the door to the enemy. Here's the the thing about the devil. He's been around longer than you have. These demonic forces know about your family than you know about your family. You're going out there trying to get a DNA sample, seeing who your great-great-great-grandfather was or who you're related to, and the devil's like, I already know that. And here's the thing. He already knows what things are weakness in your family line. He knows how to push on those things. And so when we open this door, we just give him permission to steal, kill, and destroy in our lives. Dr. Henry Malone says a curse can be compared to an extended evil rope that with one end tied to you and the other end attached to who knows what in the unseen past you feel you're not in control of your own destiny. It's like, you've heard the phrase, somebody's jerking my chain. 
Really, that's what's happening. You, and, and when there's a curse operating in your life, it feels like you're trying to go this way, and somebody from behind that wall back there is pulling you, and you end up back over there, and you're like, why can't I go forward? It's a curse that's operating in your family. We love God. We want to do His will, but we seem to be tracked, trapped by a cycle in a part of our life that never experiences breakthrough or the freedom that God intended. Here's what... Exodus 34, 7 says, God says, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. Isn't that good news? I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. That's really good news. But the end of that verse says, the entire family is affected, even children in the third or fourth generations. So what happens is these things are parents, let me just say this, your parents did the best they knew how to do. You as a parent are probably doing the best you know how to do. And I'm trying to give you some information and some, some spiritual weapons here today so that you can do better than previous generations because these things continue until somebody steps up and says, that's enough. Right. Amen? So there's three keys you need to understand about curses. First of all, curses tend to affect family and even societies, not just an individual. It affects everyone. So... Like I said earlier, the thing you struggle with may be the same thing your father, grandfather, great-grandfather. Just, you can just go up through the tree, the family tree. Second, once a curse is released, it usually lingers from generation to generation until someone takes decisive action to cancel their effects. Turn to somebody and say, that's us. Amen? And here's the third thing. You can take action today to break that curse in your life and listen to what you can have incredible effect on the descendants in your family. You got a couple extra minutes? Is this all right today? I want want to share the difference between a family that lives in blessings and a family that lives in curses. This is historical fact. Max Jukes married an unbelieving woman. From their marriage came 500 known descendants, of which 300 died paupers, poor, and 150 became criminals. 17 were convicted of murders, 100 were known drunkards, more than half of the women were prostitutes. The descendants of Max Juice cost the government more than 1.25 million during the 19th century. That's 1800s. Most of that amount was spent on their imprisonment in an effort to rehabilitate them into productive citizens. Just think about that. Generations. There was another family. Jonathan Edwards married a godly woman. I know what some of you women are thinking. Well, you just got to pick a good woman. I'm, I'm helping you. You can give me an amen on, you know, amen. Right? It does make a difference, right? But, uh, but it's more than that, okay? Uh, Jonathan Edwards married a godly woman. From their union came 1,394 descendants, almost three times the number of descendants from Max Jutes. By the way, that's one of the blessings listed in in Deuteronomy 28. 295 of those descendants were college graduates. 65 became college professors. Three were U.S. senators. Three were elected governors. 30 became judges. 100 were lawyers. One a dean of a law school. 56 were practicing physicians. One was the dean of a medical school. 75 were military officers. 100 were well-known missionaries, teachers, and authors. 80 became public officials. Three were mayors of large cities. 
One was the comptroller of the U.S. Treasury. One became vice president of the United States. None of Jonathan Edwards' descendants reportedly cost the U.S. government any money. Not one cent was, set, was spent upon the correction of the lives of these 1,394 descendants. That's why Moses said in Deuteronomy, I set before you today life and death. Choose life. Choose life. See, we allow a curse to operate when we sin or we, when we do not take action to break a curse that has been operating in our family through the generations. You maybe didn't know this before today, but now you do. Here's the good news. Galatians 3.13. But Christ is recognized. See, let me just say this. Sometimes we read the Bible and go, uh, uh, you know, I know that verse or whatever. But the, the Bible is so clear what it's doing. Look here in Galatians 3.13. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law, which that verse in Exodus 34.7 was the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. Jesus became a curse for us. But we need to take action to break the power of those curses off of our lives. So let's do something and break some curses off. Amen? Amen? There's a verse in Proverbs 26.2, I think, says the, cur the causeless curse will not land. And so we're going to take care of some things so people can say what they want, but it's going to bounce right off in Jesus' name. It, there's no cause for the curse to land on you because you're taking authority. Amen? Isn't that good? So the way we break this one is, you, you're, again, you repent, and you just... As you, they come to your mind, you break specific curses that hold you back from all God has for you. So let's go to the Lord. Let's go to the Holy Spirit. Just ask him to show us, and then we're going to pray together. Father, I come to you today, and I just ask that the Holy Spirit would bring to our mind any curse that we can see operating in our lives, whether it's financial lack, whether it's, it's mental illness, whether it's depression, whether it's confusion, whether it's, um, it's divorce, whether it's addictions, whatever it is, Lord, Lord, we break it off, poverty. Lord, we just break those things off as, as they are brought to our mind. Lord, let us address them specifically as we pray this together in Jesus' name. Say this with me. Father, I confess I have sinned and opened myself to Satan. I have received the curse of, and you just name that curse, whatever it is. Say, I have received the curse. Now name that curse. Say this, forgive me for submitting and bowing down to the kingdom of darkness. I turn from Satan and I give this curse to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for breaking this curse. I now declare that these curses are broken in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't that good news? Amen. That is, you're free. Isn't that good? Spiritually, you're free. Come on, yeah, rejoice. Now, here's the thing. You may say, well, I don't feel free. You may not feel free. But you need to walk out. I am free. And anytime something comes up, you take authority over it. You can pray these same kind of prayers. We'll have it, we'll have it on the online on our website here soon. And you'll be able to just go back and just go through those things and get them in your get them, get the victory in those areas. 
Now, I'm going to stop the message here because I knew this was going to be a longer message. And some of you are packing up. Don't pack up. We ain't done yet. I'm not going another hour, but there's something you need to know. Because here's the thing. There's a concept in business known as backfilling. You know what that is? When an employee resigns, goes to take another job, typically there's a backfill. You had to hire somebody to fill that position. Okay? That's the worldly system. But spiritually, the same thing happens. Jesus actually said that the devil will say, well, you can clean the house. Get all the demonic stuff out of there. Break all these things off. But then that, that demonic force is going to come back and say, well, let me see what's going on with old so-and-so. And he's going to come in and he's going to say, oh, look at this clean house. And essentially, there's room for more of us. And he'll go get seven more that are worse than the ones that you just kicked out, and they'll come back in and fill the place up. You say, well, I came for good news today, Pastor. Let me give you the good news. You don't just have to clean house. You have to fill it. You get to fill it. Amen? And so you can read about that. I was just telling you about in Luke 11. But you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be scared. You just need to be prepared. Because he's going to make a bid. So let me show you. Take these down. I'm going to speak them very quickly. It's going to go very fast, but you need to do this. So how do we prevent the enemy from taking back what he lost in our lives? Here's the first thing. Keep the door closed. Don't go back doing these same five things again. Amen? We got to keep the door closed. Shut the door. Keep out the devil. We're not going to sing it, but that was an old, good old spiritual, right? It's the true statement. So that's first. Here's the second thing. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, creation hates a void. You clean off part of your backyard and it come the next year, it's all growing over with weeds. Same thing happens in our lives. We clean house. The enemy wants to come in, so we got to fill with something. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine because that would, will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're called to do. So instead of doing whatever you've been doing, trying to get through life, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And here's the third thing. Fill up on the Word daily. Let me show you something you may have never seen before. In John 1, it begins this way. Verse 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was God, and the Word was God. Was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word became human and made His home among us. You know who this is? Jesus. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So He is the living Word, just as the Scriptures are the spoken Word. It's the logos in the Greek. It's the spoken Word of God. The written Word of God. So... When you've closed the doors of the enemy to the enemy, don't reopen them. Live every day filled with the Spirit. One of the prayers you can pray before you get out of bed every morning, Lord, fill me with your Spirit right now. For my feet hit the floor, fill me with your Spirit. And then you get up empowered by the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, speak to me through your Word. And you just keep putting the Word in. Psalm 119, I think it's 105, says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might, I might not sin against you. That word makes all the difference in the world. Amen? So what's our next step? 
Just live filled with the Holy Spirit and full of God's Word. Amen? Let's bow our heads this morning. And uh, as we close, I want you to remember this verse too. John 8, 36 says, If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We prayed over a lot of things this morning. But maybe some of you, you've been sitting here and you say, you know, I've never even really given my life to Jesus. I don't have a relationship with him. Without that, those prayers, those things that we did are going to ring pretty hollow. You need a relationship with Jesus. And so I want to invite you to surrender your life to him. You that are online, surrender your life to him. Simply pray this prayer with us. As we, as we that are here already have, many of us have given our lives to the Lord. Let's pray it with those that are going to do it for the first time today. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to make me a new person from the inside out. God, I turn away from that old life. And I turn to you. I thank you that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you raised him from the dead. So Jesus, today, I ask you, be my Lord. Lead my life. I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.